Welcome to episode two of Independent Thought and Freedom. It's our first interview, in fact. I'm honored to say that our guest is the Honorable Mr. Bastio Pandey, former Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago. To a global audience, Mr. Pandey may not be very widely known, but my strong view is that he and his story should be. Bastio Pandey's life spans the 20th and 21st century. It touches on the most important global issues of his day, colonialism, decolonization, socialism versus capitalism and the Cold War, the rise and fall of trade unionism, uh, race relations, poverty and development, black power, African-Indian relations, the nature of political power itself. He took strong stands on these major issues for his whole life. His personal story is important for the world. He really shook things up over the span of his life. And those are the type of people I want to interview on this podcast. In many ways, he was like our Trump before Trump, especially in his relationship with the media. And we might even talk about that. But here's some of his personal background. Bastio Pandey was born on the 25th of May, 1933, to parents who were peasant farmers in St. Julian Village, a rural community about four miles east of Princestown. He attended the St. Julian Presbyterian Primary School, later the Presentation College, then the London School of Dramatic Art, the Lincoln's Inn, and the City of London College, where he obtained a diploma in drama, barrister at law, and a BSc in economics from London University, respectively. In 1966, he was one of the founding members of the Workers and Farmers Party, with CLR James uh, as one of the founding members as well, which unsuccessfully contested the general elections of 1966. He later joined the struggles of the workers and in 1973 became the president general of the All Trinidad Sugar Estates and Factory Unions, uh, Factories Union, A-T-E-S-E-F-W-U. He became a member of parliament in 1976 and assumed the position of leader of the opposition he was appointed Minister of External Affairs in 1986, and in 1988, he again served as the Leader of Opposition until 1995, when he became Prime Minister, a position in which he served until 2001, when he again became Leader of the Opposition until 2010. So, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Pandey. Thank you very much. You've got a long and interesting story, and I'd really like to start at the beginning. Sure. Uh, with being born in Princestown in 1933, one angle I'd like to take on this is the fact that a, a lot of times people talk about colonialism these days, but it's something abstract. You were actually born in a colony. What was that like growing up as a colonial subject in 1933, Trinidad and Tobago? Well, at that time and at my age, all that really mattered was survival. Mm -hmm. My parents, being uh, peasant farmers, worked a piece of land on uh, which they tried to raise the family. 
And uh, the tradition was that uh, you would go to primary school and after primary school, you would go into the land and help the, your, your parents with the, 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 the farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one did not think about colonialism. One thought of survival. Right. Uh, it was natural, was it? It, it was natural. I was born into it, so I, we knew nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it is when I went to college and began getting an education there, it is when I came to to England, mm-hmm. uh, I then really began to understand what colonialism was about. Because I was colonial going to England in 1975 uh, as a oh, colonial. No, maybe, uh, and, 65? Um, Oh, 75. Okay, uh, 75. Uh, 57. 57, correct. That's correct. Uh, right. Uh, 1957. Uh, I worked in Trinidad and at several things, being a school teacher, a cane wearer, um, magistrate's uh, clerk, uh, but, and that but, sort of thing. But it's interesting because by 56, um, uh, Eric Williams had become prime min- uh, had become the the chief minister. Yes, right. yes, so that was- is correct. He had formed a political party, contested and- the election, and he Sorry. was anti-colonial. So I mean, he was talked about well, getting rid of colonialism. Well, I've well, well, discovered lately that he was anti-colonial outwardly, but colonial uh, internally Absolutely. and mentally. But but at the time in '56 when he came on um, with that strong anti-colonial message, um, did, how, how did you react to that? I, I didn't react to it at all. I was living in a remote village in Saint Julian, right. and all of these acti- these activities were taking place in in, in a remote um, uh, place called. Port of Spain. Right, right. So, so there was no real connection. In fact, the first connection I had was when a villager came with a card, a folded card, mm-hmm. uh, in which there were little squares for pinpricks. And right. he told me he was raising money uh, <laughs> for uh, somebody about to form a political party. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, you would pay, I would pay sixpence because we, we had, our, our money was uh, British, right. pound shillings and pence. Uh, I, I, I would give him sixpence and he would pierce a hole in the card <laughs> as evidence that he had received it. You know, so that, that uh, the, the money sorry. thing is interesting. Was it, um, did you use actual British money? Or was it the West Indian dollar or, or what? Was the West Indian dollar? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, no, no. A Trinidad dollar mm-hmm. with a shilling. Okay. Instead of the pound, we had right. a, a dollar. But there was a shilling, there was a florin, there was a sixpence, uh, the 12 pence and that sort of thing. Okay, interesting, interesting. So that um, I gave him uh, the, uh, the, 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 the six months, which was 12 cents. Right. And um, that's it. Um, 
I th- thought nothing of it. I quite frankly, I didn't know what he's doing. Do you, um, do you know what party was it? It was um, uh, the the party that was a being formed was the PNM. So it was the PNM. So after the PNM. So, the so, PNM. so that was that was fifty six. Right. So they were going in all the villages and they were and, go- yes. Yeah. Wow, and getting wow. getting people with little cards, folded cards with his name and so on on it, trying to cut, to, to, to collect money. Right. And um, but then again, I left in a uh, fifty seven. Right. Went to England without. I think I had a hundred dollars in my. Pocket, which was which was um was about twenty pounds. Right. But I had friends. I had friends in London, mm-hmm. and um, they took me in. Um, and there, well, these, I began. These migration stories are interesting, because um I mean I I had a an uncle who also migrated to to England around that time. I you might even know him, uh, Ralph Kisson. Um, but um. But yes, in the 50s, I mean, the, the, the way he, he described the, the migration, you know, he didn't know, you know, much about London. He just went. I mean, how, how did you even get there? How, how did you? Did, because, you because. Recruited? What? Because um, two friends from the village right. had, had gone to uh, London before. Yes. And it is because of the, my connection with them. Uh, I. I Decided I, I I would go to England and study law. What did um, they write? Fact, they wrote you a letter. They returned to Trinidad. Uh, what, what, what? No, no, no. They stayed there. I I would write them letters and so on. Okay. And um and and, and uh, I I remember very well paying three hundred and twelve dollars on an Italian cargo boat, third class, to go to. A, to, to to London, so the boat went to Genoa. Uh huh. Okay. And for maybe it's an Italian cargo boat. From, Where else would it go? From Port of Spain to Genoa. From Port of Spain to Genoa. And and what cargo did it have? All sorts of things. Carry uh, it's a cargo boat. Um, okay. Ca- carrying all sorts of things uh, from Trinidad. Uh, because maybe. people used to talk about the banana boat. In the, yeah. in the uh, yeah. Caribbean, was it? A, it wasn't a banana boat, was it? Um, well, I, I where no. I, the, the cabin in which they put me down in the hole, I really didn't see any bananas there. But <laughs> um, but, that, but 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 that's beside the point. The point is, I, I the boat took me to, to um, Genoa. Uh, to Genoa. Um, from Genoa, I took a train to Cali. Uh-huh. From Cali. From Cali, the ferry to Dover, from Dover to Southampton, and from Southampton to it took me fourteen days to fourteen, uh, 14 and, days. And that's strange because London was the centre of empire. Of and, course, it was. And and yet there there wasn't a dir- now it's hard to, harder to get to Genoa than London from Trinidad. But in it, your it, day, it was direct to Genoa. Oh no! Well, the, the, it all had to do with the price. You pay the lowest price you probably uh, uh, could get to reach uh, to reach London, and, and th- that was the consideration really. Uh, but when when I went there, I worked at several jobs. I worked as, uh, as a laborer on a building site. 
I worked as an electrician and mate. I worked as a clerk at the London County Council and so on. I, I spent nine years there working and studying, working in the day and studying at night, or working at night and studying in the day. At that time, V.S. Naipaul would have been up in London, but I, I don't know if you ever would have crossed paths. Oh, oh no, oh no, no. Um, I wouldn't have been in that class. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he was at Oxford and yes. writing the, BBC. Sure. And the first connection I had with Eric Williams himself uh-huh. was that after the elections, he came to uh, uh, the colonial office. We had, I think that that's what they called it, the colonial yes. office in London. And he came there. Uh, it's a place where Trinidadians got together and so on. And uh, he had this meeting. And uh, I had just gone there a year before, I think. Uh, and he was talking about unity and uh, equality and all that sort of thing. And um, I as a novice, got up and um, said, but uh, Prime Minister, excuse me. You talk about equality and you talk about fairness and you talk about getting rid of corruption and so on. But um, I know of a a man by the name of Mustafa Ibrahim, a student who was studying law in England. And he got up a second class at the bar and he applied to the office here for a job. And he was refused. Mm-hmm. Yet you're the son of your minister, Solomon. I think it was Frank Solomon, actually. Yeah, uh, oh, okay, applied, right. Who got a third class, applied for a job, and he was got a job. Where is this equality that, uh, that, that you're talking about? And I was booed down by the rest of the audience, <laughs> who were all PNM fanatics. <laughs> well... Well, that, that is interesting on a, a number of levels. At, at, at a general level, I think for, for the international audience, um, they, they might not be, be aware of some of the dynamics you're talking about, which is the, um, the, the incidence of, of, let's say, discrimination and we could, we could say racism. I, I don't know if you'd want to use the word racism. Oh, sure, certainly. As right. a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, they used, uh, there used to be little advertisement in the shop windows. Mm-hmm. That is how you, you, you found things. Little advertisement in the shop windows. I'd print it on uh, a little card and they would have put room for rent. Yes. No blacks, Irish, and dogs. Right. Yeah. And that's in London. But now what yeah. I'm talking about is in Trinidad. Because what I, I think what you're referring to about about your um, Muslim friend, as opposed to Patrick Solomon's son. And Patrick Solomon in the West Indies, uh, it's not just black and white. And especially in Trinidad, you have Indians. And the Indians are divided into Hindus and Muslims and Presbyterians and then you, uh, and the Christian. And then among, even among the blacks, you have the darker skinned, the lighter skinned, um, you know, what we call red in Trinidad. And then you have, uh, and then you have the, uh, in Trinidad, we have the, the people who are from the other <laughs> islands. Then we have the Coco Payol. Coco Payols, you have the Portuguese, you have, you have all these people. So, so when you're talking about Patrick Solomon's son, this would be one of the, what Lloyd Best called the Afro-Saxons, one of the sort of lighter skin Af- Afro-Saxon elite. 
uh, yes. and his son, you're saying, yes. was preferred over the sort yes. of poor Muslim Somebody who was more qualified. Right. Yeah. A, a, a poor Muslim from the countryside who was more educationally qualified uh, was denied the job. The Mustafa Ibrahim, of which I speak, became a judge in Trinidad. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And, and this is one of the amazing things about the, the colonial and decolonization period, that whenever I speak to people abroad about it, um, during the decolonization period, when, when we formed our own state, so many people from poor backgrounds, rural, such as yourself, a poor son of a, a farmer, became prime ministers, judges, leaders of uh, industry, leaders of, uh, I mean, th there was a lot of opportunity opened up by, by independence because uh, we had to form a new nation out of our Exactly, people. exactly, yes. exactly. And, and a lot of people who migrated because, you know, I have this debate with my own family who migrated. Um, I say, you know, there would have been more opportunities for you had you stayed in Trinidad than if when you migrated to Toronto or, or New York. Eric Williams used to um, uh, very often uh, criticize people who went to New York and say, you all could go clean toilets uh, in Brooklyn if you want. <laughs> or, you know, if... Well, the opportunities in Trinidad were, were very limited. Right. And people left so that they could have opportunities for growth and for development and so on. Uh, for example, had I stayed in, in, in the rural village of St. Julian, I would have followed my father and my, my mother into peasant farming. Right. And I would have grown crops which were uh, like them and take it to the market uh, and, and sell it in order to merely survive. Right. But, but then with, with independence and, and the, the, the new demands for a civil service, for an industrial no. class, for a political class. Opened up a lot of opportunities. I yeah. agree with you. I yes, agree. yes. Because, I mean, even uh, Ramesh Lawrence Maraj, who we'll talk about later, uh, you know, became attorney general. I mean, he went to, to school with my, I mean, well, he taught uh, at school with my mother, you know, at, in the 50s. And, you know, their, their paths diverge. I mean, uh, if, if I look at my mother's classmates, many of them became very, very prominent people in the state, you know, whereas, you know, she had a more or less humble existence migrating. Oh, the colonial peoples were very bright, very intelligent. And once they had the opportunity, they were able to develop uh, to all sorts of uh, uh, professions. Yeah. And, you know, a very interesting thing of your time in London, too, you mentioned so many things you did, electrician, but you also were uh, an actor. Well, that, the strange thing about that is that, uh, as I told you, I went uh, there to study law. I had absolutely no idea of becoming a politician. And um, w when I was working as a laborer uh, and an electrician mate and so on, I'd work for long hours and I'd be very tired, and there's no opportunity to study at all. Uh, it is when I got a job at the London County Council as a clerk in the housing management department, I remember. Um, uh, I, was now be, I was now beginning to work from uh, 8 to 4.30 or whatever. Uh, and I did not have the money 
I needed 120 pounds uh, to deposit at Lincoln's Inn so right. that I can uh, be, be a member of the Inn and um, become a lawyer. But not having the, 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 I, the money, I began to save up the money and so on. But now I was working uh, from 8 to 4.30. And my hero at, uh, at the bar uh, was, the name will come to me, uh, he was a tremendous orator. Yes. Uh, um, uh, a British Sir lawyer. Edward Marshall Hall. Okay. Sir Edward Marshall Hall. Right. Uh, he was a tremendous orator at the bar. I remember him saying that uh, uh, all of us lawyers are actors. And um, the, the courtroom is our stage. Uh, the only difference between us and professional actors is that we write our own script. That's the kind of admiration I had for him. Yes. So I decided that what I would do is I would go to drama school, not to become an actor or anything like that, but to go to drama school to have a, 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 a command over the language, to, to develop oratorical skills, such as Marshall, Sir Edward Marshall Hall. And, and you, so you were two I mean. films, two international so, films. But that's how it happened, you see, because I, I went to drama school. I went to drama school for two years. Right. And after drama school, um, I had a diploma in drama. But when uh, you had a, a diploma in drama, the general, the general thing was that there were agents, yes. a system uh, of, of theatrical agents. And um, when a producer or director wanted uh, somebody for a particular part, they'd go to the agent and said, you have somebody resembling this and that sort of thing. So I just went and took some photographs and uh, handed it to an agent. Uh -huh. And um, I began getting parts on, on, on British television, BBC, ITV, ITV or ITN, I think. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, but, ITN. So, so that would go on for a while. While I'm at the London, also Comedy you Conference. did a lot of TV as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit of them. Okay. Uh, small, as, as what? What sort of characters did you get in in 1957? Small parts, for example. Uh, I, I remember an Arab soul, an Arab soldier. Okay. Probably my first. Uh, all, all kinds of little parts. But, but, but were, were they always like um, exotic um, parts, like like an Arab or an Indian, or, or I, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, because of, because of my features. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So, so, so you, so were, so you played so, foreign roles. So I, I began getting little parts and so on. Right. Uh, Speaking uh, roles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and uh, I eventually saved the money was able to save the 120 pounds, which I deposited at the Lincoln's Inn. Right. And I became a member of the Inn. So whereas I used to study, uh, uh, work in the day and studying in the, in the night, things changed. Yes. When in 1961, I got a part in a play at the Savoy Theatre in the West End. Ah. And uh, it was called The Bird of Time, actually. I remember the name. And so I now began working in the night and studying in the day. <laughs> and right. that play ran for the whole of 1961, from January to December 61. Um, and by the time the play had finished, I had enough money mm -hmm. 
to stay home. And I went to a place called Wiley's in uh, Chancery Lane in London and rented all the books for the finals because by that time I had already uh, got through with the, the part one of the bar. And I decided I'd do the, the finals. I rented the books and began studying 18 hours a day. And uh, they, 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 the bar council there used to do the exams um, twice a year. I think in July and September or something. And I, I decided that I'll take the July exam. And I, I studied day, day and night. I studied. Uh, uh, I did not have, I did not go for lectures at the, at, at, at the ends of court. Because to do that, I would have had to spread my time over a yeah, and I would not have had enough money to do that. Awesome. So I decided I cut it all short in six months because that's how much money I had. And uh, I took the exam. But uh, I just, and just, just to let people know about your, your film roles too, because uh, people will be able to have uh, access oh, oh, around oh, the world. Uh, One was oh, Man in the Middle with Robert Mitchum, right? Uh, Man in the Middle with uh, uh, Robert Mitchum. And what, what was your role in that? That... Uh, that was a play in which uh, an American soldier stationed in India mm-hmm. was charged with murder. Right. And, um, and the British, the army, decided they would send on a lawyer to represent him. The lawyer was Robert Mitchum. Right. And, and, and uh, your role was what? I was uh, uh, one of the reporters who met him at the... Uh, when he landed in India and asked him all sorts of foolish questions, I imagine. But so, that was the rule. So you, you, you had a speaking role in that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, know I was interviewing him. And Nine Hours to Rama. And, and Nine Hours to Rama. I've, I've seen played, that online. I played the part of a, a, of a laundryman. Yeah. And just for the, taking, for the viewers to know, it's a very interesting movie. It's about the assassin of It is about Mahatma the assassination Gandhi. of Gandhi. Yes. And the lead role was played by a German actor called Horst Buchholz. Right. And, um, and they, they, uh, they put makeup on his face to look darker, did they? All, do all kinds of things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so while waiting to kill, uh, to, 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 to assassinate Gandhi, uh, he was hiding out in, 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 in a, a laundry or somewhere. And I play the part of a laundryman who was bringing messages from the conspirators to the killer, right? To the uh, mm. guy who was supposed to kill him. So that's the role I played. Uh, and that was with Horsby Calls, as I said. Uh, the other one was a, the, a film called The Brigand of Kandahar, uh, in which uh, uh, it concerned about fighting on the north, northwest frontier of, of India. Kandahar uh, yes. is a place, I think, probably in Afghanistan somewhere. And um, anyway, the, uh, I, I played one of the rebels in, in that, one of the rebels' uh, fighters and so on. Well, yeah, so, so, so that was, I mean, that must have been, a, especially coming uh, from a village in Trinidad and remote, and then going up to being in these uh, international films while you're studying for law. That might have been uh, quite an experience. Was it scary for you uh, when you were doing it? Or no? 
No, when you are poor and desperate, nothing is scary. Right. You do anything that is necessary in order to acquire the funds in order to complete your studies. And so, that was the frame of my mind. That, that's quite amazing because other people might react differently. So you had no insecurities. You had no, no none, I'm just a colonial boy. I don't know anything. I'm in the big London. You, you had none of that. No, 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 it never wow. frightened me. I had one objective, a very narrow objective, and that was to become a lawyer. And I needed to study to become a lawyer. But, but when I um, got through the bar exam, I remember that when I was working at the London County Council, I had applied for what is called uh, a major county award. And it is an award that they used to give to students who wanted to study. And after I passed the bar, I, I, I somehow felt that I wasn't educated. Yes. And I, um, I, I called the, the, I had left the job at the London County Council, and I called them and asked uh, to ask them. I said, I, I, I remember uh, ma making an application for a county award. I haven't heard from you. And they wrote back and said that, uh, quite to the contrary, we haven't heard from you. You, we wrote you and told you that uh, we have granted the, you, the award. But I suppose in my study for the law and so on, I, I probably ignored everything else, you see. Right, yes. So um, they said, we are waiting on you to tell us uh, that you have been admitted to university. Of course, I ran around and uh, got into the City of London College where they were doing uh, the uh, London degrees. And uh, that, that's... I what I wanted to also look at you is now the fact that you stood up to Eric Williams, uh, who was seen as a godlike figure in Trinidad, and you raised this very, oh, yes. very important point. Now, I'm going to have to take a little break here. So we're going to take a break. Um, in fact, we are going to be continuing this conversation later um, uh, because this is going to be an extended conversation. But that is a very important point the courage that it took. Um, so we'll be right back after this.